Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gavrielle Hakoen. And I am cult survivor and cult expert Sadie Carpenter. Hey, Sadie, how's your day going? My day's actually going pretty well. How's yours? Well, today is the last day of my 20s. Um, oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, uh, on, on the day we're recording this, we're recording this on the 1st of May. 2023 and i turned 30 years old on the 2nd of may 2023 so i'm excited it's my 30 it's not my dirty 30 it's my derby 30 because uh oh yeah because you're going to the kentucky derby i am day after my birthday i'm going to the kentucky derby so uh by that'll be over by the time this comes out but that's going to be a lot of fun i haven't had a vacation vacation in well at least three years years. because that's how long we've been doing the show no, two years because I went to to DC to visit my sister. It's it's been a while. Right. I haven't had a I haven't had a, a real vacation. But today uh, we are we are back again. Once again, we're talking about Liberty University. We're talking about Jerry Falwell. Last time we talked about kind of Jerry Falwell uh, founding Liberty, um, his political influence in the country, and um, and the moral majority, and that. Today we're going to talk about the scandals. That's what it is. That's what it's all about today. This is going to be the the crazy one. We're going to talk about the pool yeah. boy. We're going to talk about hustler. What else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about all the the stuff that Jerry Jr. got into at right. So we yeah. do have, of course, like this is this is a, a Christian college, and they all have so many like Title IX and campus assault problems. Um, we're going to get into all of that, but we're also, we also have some, um, more fun financial mishandling to dig through. Um, I find financial crimes really fun to learn about because it's less of a direct, often they are less directly harmful to one person. 
It's not usually one person getting victimized and having their life ruined. So I find financial crimes really a little a little lighter. So this week we are going through some of the scandals and trials and tribulations of Liberty University, but we're going to finish, no pun intended, with the <laughs> old boy affair. Glad you liked that. Um, because that is the humorous cherry on top of a slightly harrowing tale. Oh, man. Okay. I'm excited. But before we get into that, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism, and we talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, there's numerous things that you can do to help support us. Number one, you can hit that follow, hit that like, hit that subscribe button, wherever it is you're getting your podcast, and you'll get that new episode right when it comes out. If you just can't wait until Monday to get that podcast episode, you can sign up for our Patreon um, and you'll get our episodes a day early. Plus the version that you get if you subscribe to our Patreon is longer and it doesn't have me bleeping out the swears on it. So that's fun as well. And it's ad free. And and it's ad free. So if you just hate ads, you can subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, uh, you can join our Facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. Great place to, you know, have discussions about whatever you want to discuss regarding the podcast. It could be talking about something you, you heard in an old episode, a newer episode, just anything religion, fundamentalism based. We have a lot of people posting just funny memes in there, just like lighthearted religion memes. We also have people sharing trauma stories in there. It's a good mix of all of those things. So whatever you want to discuss, the Facebook group has that in there and that is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can check out our subreddit where we have a really cool glossary of fundy terms that you can check that out there. Uh, and that is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. I'm trying to think of anything. Oh, pride stories. Please submit to us your pride stories if you want to have a pride story read on the podcast. So if you are an LGBTQ person um, and you want to, uh, and and you escaped fundamentalism or something similar, um, or you just have a good story, please send it to us at leavingethanpod at gmail.com. We'd love to read them because we, we read those stories out over the air on the show in the month of June during Pride Month. So that's a lot of fun for us. If you uh, send us a story. Make sure that you include uh, the name that you want us to refer to you by, as well as your correct pronouns, so that we can refer to you with the respect and dignity that you deserve as a human being. Is that it? Uh, is is there anything else? I just wanted to remind folks, if you are joining our Facebook group, there are entrance questions uh, in order to join that group. So make sure you're on the lookout for those so that we can get you into the group and on board as quickly as possible. Sadie, do you want to thank the patrons now? Our I Gave It All tier patrons are Kathleen Moncrief and Melissa Mosley. Thank you so much to Kathleen and Melissa. Our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons are Alex P., Alex Todd, Alicia Guild, Ali Allen, Anisha Patel, Ashley Dockstater, Brooke Tully, Krissa Crystal Patterson, Dear Ethan Hansen, The Musical, 
Eleanor Donahue, Amory Fairlosser, Enchanted Fairy 1389, Esther M., Hannah Ross, Hope Norum, Horton Hears a Shane, Janine Callan, Jen Koharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Kat Henwood, Kate Wee, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arndt, Rob the Methodist, Scooby Sleuth, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tara McNamara, and Wes the Cowboy. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to our Faith Promise Missions tier of our Patreon and our I Gave It All tier of our Patreon. And thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are the best. And thank you to all of our listeners and just the people who recommend the show to the people that that they're friends with and who they think would like it because that's another great way that we grow our audience. Yeah, our patrons uh, especially, but also the people who share our show by word of mouth or on social media. All of you are a huge part of why we have a show that we can continue doing and why we have a platform. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Um, Sadie, hit us with that TW and then we get into the episode. All right. So in general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show, including but not limited to suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will mention at least a few of these topics, but we try to avoid any graphic detail unless it's relevant to the story that we're telling. We also do our best to give the audience a heads up before we go into detail if we do feel like it's crucial to the story to share details. This episode will cover racism, homophobia, campus sexual assault. Uh, The latter was handled in a typically bad way, as funded universities tend to do by betraying the students who are victimized and protecting their assailants. And as regular universities tend to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is this is a problem that is bad everywhere and then tends to be worse in spaces that are affected by Christian patriarchy. (laughs) This episode also covers a sordid affair, which many of you probably already know the details of. What we won't be doing is kink shaming, but what we will be doing is picking apart the many ways in which this affair was not as consensual as it may appear. Thank you so much for that. So as we discussed last week, Liberty University is the private university set up by Jerry Falwell Sr., in affiliation with his uh, ministry at uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church. Because Jerry Falwell Sr. was so intimately involved with conservative politicians and and neoconservatism, Liberty University became the place to get your start if you were a uh, burgeoning Christian nationalist and you wanted to go into politics. Uh, as uh, we spoke about last week, uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., uh, he, he had his... Uh, political organization, the Moral Majority, which also pushed for for uh, uh, really conservative uh, and socially conservative uh, policies in national politics. Um, and so that was sort of what was going on there. And that's how he uh, uh, really inserted himself into the national p- political sphere. So what we neglected to discuss last week was the connection between Jerry Falwell Sr. and Larry Flint. Oh. So I had just... <laughs> I had just gotten done recording this episode and my husband said, you talked about Larry Flint, right? And I said, oh, shoot. No, I didn't. (laughs) So just to make sure that we didn't completely leave this out, um, Larry Flint, of course, the editor of Hustler magazine, 
published a satirical parody interview of Jerry Falwell Sr. in Hustler in 1983, um, in which Falwell said all sorts of outrageous things. And it was it was meant to clearly be satire. Like, obviously, they didn't really interview Jerry Falwell Sr. Obviously, he didn't really say those things. But <laughs> Jerry Falwell Sr. did not think it was funny. And he sued for libel. Then, uh, in in the end, Larry Flint won the court case uh, because of the First Amendment, uh, and the the question came to Falwell: Do you really think that any reasonable person would believe that you said those things that Larry Flint said that you said? And Falwell said, "No, no reasonable person would believe it." And that's the question that the court case hinged on. If you want to see more about that, the movie, I enjoyed the movie, The People versus Larry Flint. <laughs> Definitely look up your own trigger warnings on that, however you tend to do so. But I would, I, <laughs> I don't have time to go into any more detail than that. But I would have been kicking myself forever if I didn't include that little snippet of history in one of our episodes, 1983. See, here's the thing. I, Jerry Falwell essentially Streisand affected himself before the Streisand effect was called the Streisand effect. So I think that in the interests of protecting the good name of Barbara Streisand, who I think has been uh, unfairly besmirched, I, I think that we should rename the Streisand effect the Falwell effect, which sounds much better, in my opinion. I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry Falwell Sr. died in uh, 2007 of heart disease. And the chairmanship of Liberty University was passed down to his son, Jerry Falwell Jr. It is common in Christian fundamentalism, as we've spoken about on the show, to pass uh, your ministry down to your sons. And this was um, interesting in that Jerry Falwell Sr. essentially split his ministry in half. So the church, the Thomas Road Baptist Church, went to his son, Jonathan Falwell, because Jonathan was the one who was a pastor. And, and Jerry Falwell Jr. was the one whose job it was to become the, the, the chairman of the university. So Falwell Jr. continued in his father's hateful footsteps uh, following the uh, terrorist attack and the mass shooting in San Bernardino in 2015. Do you remember that one? I remember that yes. one. Yeah, Jerry Jerry Jr. gave the sort of conservative party line of if more people had guns then this attack wouldn't have happened or couldn't have happened, but then added on, then we could end those Muslims before they walked in oh, no. and killed them. Yeah. Um so No, oh dear. There you go. Not a great guy. Nope, don't like that. No, I don't like that either. That's not a very good way to uh, refer to other people and that's that's really horrible um and dehumanizing. So well, in some ways, uh, in, in this way, Jerry Jr. took after his father. Uh, there are many ways in which he diverged from his father's leadership of the university. One big one is that Jerry Jr. was nowhere near as religious as his father. Because rather than going into ministry, Jerry Jr. went into law. He graduated from Liberty University for undergraduate, um, and then he attended University of Virginia for law school, um, graduated in 1987, and for the next 20 years, he worked in private practice as the lawyer for Liberty University. Um, around the time that Jerry Jr. started working for Liberty, the, the school was in uh, had, had a very dire financial status. So while 
the attendance was all the way up at 4,500 students. Uh, the school was essentially bleeding money in large part due to the expenses of old time gospel hour, as well as the expenses of the moral majority political org. The, the old time gospel hour was no longer a reliable source of revenue due to Americans dwindling patience for televangelists, especially following uh, the, the sex scandal and downfall of uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, uh, the, the Oral Roberts, give me $8 million or God will call me home stunt. I think also the Larry Flint case had something to do with that as well, where um, these televangelists really were not doing a lot to ingratiate themselves to the public. And so the donations to uh, the Old Time Gospel Hour, which was you know basically the cash cow of Jerry Falwell's ministry, they, they had been dwindling. And so it wasn't financially feasible to be dividing that up between all of these different side projects. Um, so Jerry Falwell Jr. is largely credited with saving Liberty University from financial ruin by securing money uh, from bank loans and donors and then uh, overseeing the long-term growth of the student body to what it is today, which including remote learning is around 100,000 students. I think I saw online that in-person is about 20,000 students and online is about 80,000. Yeah, that's a pretty large unit. Like in-person, that's like as big as many state universities for undergrad. Like a regular, like a, a state college or a state university, 20,000, 25,000 undergrad is a, a pretty healthy size. So University of Phoenix, which is one of the best known online universities, has a total undergraduate enrollment of 69,408 students. So Liberty's online program is bigger than University of Phoenix right now, which is a bit terrifying. Although University of Phoenix has been uh, taking the heat lately for being not the best. So I think that a few years ago, maybe it was higher for, for being predatory in the way that they were getting people to take out student loans and then um, yeah, this yeah. is so this is just Wikipedia. So I and I don't have time in the middle of an episode to go fact check. But Wikipedia says uh, they had a peak of 470,000 students. Really? That's crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking this up right now. The University of Oregon in Eugene um, in 2016, they had 23,634 uh, undergrad enrolled. So the, the 24,000 undergrad for Liberty unit, that's like the size of a real like state university, like a large state university. Yeah, and I think Pensacola at the time I attended was uh, around 5,000 students, uh, undergrad and graduate degree. And then Hiles Anderson at the time that I attended, they told us was 1,800. They were definitely lying. It was probably more like 1,200. The, the point is that Liberty University is like, it is a very healthy size for a, a university. Yeah, and a lot of that is due to Jerry Falwell Jr.'s work, which he has done since taking over for his father in 2007. As, as a result of Jerry Falwell's, I mean, I, I, I think it's inarguably effective work in financially saving the school. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. Uh, had Jerry Jr. named as his successor as the, the, the chairman or the president of Liberty, um, while his son Jonathan would take over as a pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church. One thing I do think is interesting about this is that 
So, so you went to Hiles Anderson, and when you were at Hiles Anderson, Jack Scoff was pastor at First Baptist Church of Hammond, and he was also president or, or chairman of the university. Correct. Is it at fundamentalist? I think schools, he was chairman, and someone else was president. He was chancellor, and oh, someone okay. else was president. But he was basically the the head guy, the guy in charge of the school, while somebody else may have overseen the day to day uh, actual running of it. But he was like the the figurehead. Is that right? That's common, though, at, at fundamentalist schools. The guy who is the head pastor of the the church that is associated with the school will also be like the chancellor, or will be the 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 guy in charge of the school as well. So this is a particularly Baptist thing people who are fundamentalist Baptists, rather than just fundamentalist Christians, typically believe that everything must go through a local church. So a college must have a local church that is in charge of it. A Christian school must have a local church that is in charge of it. Any ministry, even like a Reformers Unanimous ministry, or if they had a soup kitchen ministry, anything like that must be under the umbrella of a <clears throat> local New Testament church, as they would say. So it's necessary for fundamentalist Baptists to have their college be under that umbrella of, of a local church. And then the pastor is the head of that local church. So the pastor is kind of by default in a position of ultimate authority over whatever goes on at the college. The thing about the Falwell family is they are fundamentalist Christians more so than fundamentalist Baptists. Even though they're Southern Baptist? Right. They are Southern huh. Baptist fundamentalist Christians rather than fundamentalist Baptist Christians. Because if you're, it, the question, it's like doing parentheses in algebra, right? Does the fundamentalist apply to Christian or does the fundament, fundamentalist apply to Baptist or does it apply to both? Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so, so what does that mean for liberty? So I think that that's why it was acceptable. The college was still connected to Thomas Road Baptist Church. But I think this is why it's acceptable for the pastor of Thomas Road Baptist Church and the president of Liberty University to not necessarily be the same person because they don't have that fundamentalist Baptist distinctive of everything must be under an independent local church. That makes sense. But that is also another reason why if you were like IFB, then you could point to that and say, see, Liberty's a mm -hmm. liberal school. Their president isn't even a minister. He's not right. even in charge of the local church. They split it up. That's proof that Jerry Falwell was not a real Bible believing what I guess whatever you're going to mm -hmm. call him. Right. So this is very atypical for fundamentalist universities, but I think that's the logic that led Liberty to think that this is fine when other churches and colleges would never do. Well, that, that does make sense. Thank you for explaining that to me. I'm going to have to make a graph <laughs> Yeah, <I learned. laughs> with the little parentheses for the math nerds like me. Yeah. No, but like the, the math, the, the PEMDAS way of explaining to it, that, that makes perfect sense. As soon as you say that, I'm like, what it is. there we go. That leads me to the next point in the story because um, it is significant to point out that Jerry oh. Jr. was chairman of Liberty University, but behind closed doors, he was no longer espousing a Christian fundamentalism. I think it's also 
significant to view this as a sign that Liberty University was more focused on being a part of the right wing political machine than it was focused on being as effectively Christian Christian in its mission, even in the twisted fundamentalist sense of Christianity. But just like Liberty, people who pursue power for the sake of power will throw morals, they'll throw ideology, they'll throw their theology and everything else out the window at the earliest convenience if it means that it is it is a pathway to power. So for these people, the levers of government are there to be abused until they are useless because they are only a vehicle to, for greater power and to stack the deck against your opponents and avoid any accountability. In today's episode, one, I guess we're going to chronicle roughly 15 years of lies and hypocrisy that took place at Liberty University following the death of Jerry Falwell Sr. So Jerry Sr. had planned for his son Jonathan to take over the position of pastor and his son Jerry Jr. to take over a position as president because of each of the son's talents. Um, I heard, I read that Jonathan is a good pastor, but he's good at pastoral responsibilities and good at preaching, but he's really not much of a people person. So he doesn't schmooze, he doesn't wheel and deal. And as we are going to find out, Jerry Jr. certainly does. Putting Jerry Jr. in charge of the university. It's not like some Nepo baby David Hiles, like Jack Hiles trying to make David Hiles happen situation. Jerry Jr. proved himself to be the man for the job. Whatever else you will say about him. <laughs> oh, we'll say a lot. Oh, God. But he did have the charisma, funding, and connections to get the university out of financial trouble to the tune of he took uni he took Liberty University from being worth about two hundred and fifty million dollars in two thousand seven to being worth two point five billion in twenty seventeen. And he did this primarily through expanding their enrollment and by really leaning into his connections with the right wing political sphere for donations in order to expand Liberty's endowment. And also through being a huge real estate investor. So all of that money that came in through online enrollment and from donations didn't just go to improving the campus, hiring more teachers, attracting more students, or sitting in a bank account somewhere. That money also went into a giant, massive real estate portfolio that included all sorts of ventures. Then Trey, Falwell, Trey Falwell, who is Jerry the Third, Trey started a property management company that was then hired by the college to manage this portfolio. So obviously like, this is, it is nepotism, it is shady, but it is not illegal. And it's far from uncommon. This is just how rich people work. Um, I don't love that kind of favoritism being tied to a Christian university, but it is what it is and it's not illegal. Yeah. And also, I guess, I, I, I mean, I'm just frustrated with rich people that do real estate investing in order to grow their already large fortunes. Because basically, if you have money, you can just dump it into something and squat on a resource that everybody needs in order to drive the prices up and in order to drive your own like net worth up without actually cre like creating something that people are interested in. It's like a product. I'm totally with you. The ethics of this kind of depend on the situation. Uh, as far, especially as far as uh, hiring your kid to manage your massive real estate portfolio that you are a fiduciary for somebody else on. I especially don't like this being in conjunction with a nonprofit institution and especially not a nonprofit religious institution. 
But I'm emphasizing that it's not illegal. And another thing that's shady but not illegal is the way that the university promoted businesses that they had a financial interest in without disclosing their financial interest. The university had a financial interest in a La Quinta hotel near campus, for example. University employees were directly encouraged to recommend that hotel for out-of-town visitors, for parents dropping their kids off at campus, and on the college website, this La Quinta hotel was one of the recommended places to stay. That's shady, but it's legal. I mean, it's basically vertical integration, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't love that a nonprofit Christian college is saying, oh yeah, by the way, go stay at this hotel and not disclosing that the college has a financial interest in the hotel and that the Falwell family kind of indirectly has a financial interest in this hotel because Trey Falwell is managing the real estate portfolio that the college owns and getting paid for it. I don't like that. Also, is it Christian to run hotels? That, that, that seems a bit questionable to me, considering what people do in them. Oh, true. Yeah. I was going to say it's probably fine because people run hotels in the Bible. People are also uh, do sex work in the Bible, but they're not cool with that. People do a lot of things in the Bible. Yeah, people drive tent poles through people's heads in the Bible. But if I did that to Jerry Falwell Jr., then, you know, I'd go to jail. Uh, which... Sometimes people introduce... Never mind, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to bring up some textual criticism of Ruth and Boaz, but oh God, I'll do that another time. So, um, I mean, like for for me personally, I, I guess I'm fine if you like capitalize on something like this. But then if you go the the place where I really have problems with it is if you go out of your way to use your money and to to like influence state and local governments to affect zoning laws. Like if you're if you're like a real estate investor and you go out of your way to affect zoning laws to prevent new developments from going up that could reduce demand and drive down the value of your investments. That's really a major problem for me. And I mean, but that's just like blatant corruption. I mean, this is Liberty University. So corruption is basically their middle name. Because I, I don't know, for me, it just feels like any time that you have to, like specifically, if you say in your name that you're pro-liberty, it's a bit like if you have to specify it, it's probably not true. It's, I call it the North Korea rule because they call themselves the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. And if you if it's like Democratic and People's and Republic in the name, that's a bit like you, you really have to say that to, to make sure people know. Like if you have to put it in the name, then it's probably none of those things. So Liberty also made sizable investments like to the tune of $200,000 to $750,000 at a time to multiple of Jerry Jr.'s friends businesses. Some of these were good investments and there was a ROI. Some of these were poor investments and they didn't turn out very well. They invested, the university invested at least $200,000 in a company called Prototype Tourism. Prototype Tourism was founded by a Liberty graduate and friend of the Falwell family with the goal of promoting tourism to the Lynchburg area. The company didn't work out and Liberty lost their entire investment. Bummer. Defending this investment, Jerry Jr. said, quote, Liberty University has one of the largest unrestricted endowments in the nation and frequently invests in hundreds, if not thousands of companies across the world purely for the return on investment, whether the company has any nexus to Liberty's mission or not. The same is true of every major university. Mm. He's not lying. 
helping your less rich friends get their businesses off the ground so that they can also become extremely rich like you is also kind of just how rich people work. And that's also not a bad thing necessarily. If I had that kind of money and I could invest, I, I, I would invest in businesses that my friends were trying to start. You know, I, I'd do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If I had that kind of money, I'd invest in every friend that I have that could write me a somewhat feasible business plan. Yeah, that's true. It's like you, you got a, you got a plan. You think you can make this work? Great. Let me get my checkbook. Right. And you know, for me, at least if a friend asks to buy, and like it is private, so they can kind of do whatever the f they want with their own money. Uh, whether or not it's like the, the tourism thing to Lynchburg, you know, that's not even like particularly heinous. That's just like, mm -mm. You, you know, like why, why tourism to Lynchburg? That doesn't seem like a really bad thing. So the next one is a little shadier. Liberty made a $750,000 loan to Robert Moon, a close friend of the Falwell family, in order to start his business, Construction Management Associates. And I'm using the, I'm using the acronym CMA, not Country Music Awards, Construction Management Associates. When CMA was off the ground, the university made construction made CMA the primary contractors for all college-related construction. Okay, so now I see what, that is pretty nefarious. Yeah, so they, they weren't personally, like the Falwell family wasn't personally making any money off of that business that we know of, just that they, they kick-started their friend's business and then hired the friend to do all their work for them. If their friend was giving them any kickbacks, they were able to completely hide it. And I would think if that had happened, we would know by now. But they're what they are doing is enriching their friends. And more than that, they're rewarding those who show, who show loyalty. In 2014, Jerry Jr. and Trey were on a business trip in Miami Beach and attended a DJ set at a nightclub there in Miami Beach. Really? While Liberty huh yeah while liberty students sat at home on campus prohibited from drinking or social dancing that seems not very christian yeah the president and vice president of the university were at a nightclub living it up so they were thinking that they would get away with this but there was a professional photographer hired for the event and happened to get a couple pictures of jerry in the crowd and those pictures came out online which was obviously an embarrassment for the falwell family Man, so Jerry, did, does anybody have video of Jerry Falwell Jr. dancing to like Pitbull? Like, I don't believe uh, so. Oh, you know what they could do because they own the hotel. He could tell people to to uh, you, you can bring your boyfriend and meet me at the hotel room. <laughs> so preview for later in the episode. <laughs> uh, oh. That that pool boy story is going to be so delightful after all of the like scandal and corruption and political manipulation <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait it's it's so these pictures that came out in 2014 were obviously embarrassing to the falwell family this also won't be their first tussle with embarrassing pictures Jerry allegedly asked John Gager, an IT professional working for Liberty after having graduated from Liberty, to make the photos harder to find online, do a little SEO for him. Two years later, in a completely unrelated incident, Gager became the school's chief information officer. He went from being an IT cog in the machine to a C-suite in two years, hmm. but it had nothing to do with him hiding these pictures online, for sure. 
Gager owns a company called Redfinch. It's a company that does SEO, online polls, that sort of thing. Tax records show that Liberty has hired Redfinch as well to do SEO recruitment of students. So this guy, Gager, graduated from Liberty, worked for Liberty. While working at Liberty, he did a huge favor for the Falwell family, and he was suddenly promoted to chief information officer and also hired to do SEO work for Liberty. Redfinch was also hired by Michael Cohen, remember Uh... him? To manipulate the results of online polls leading up to the 2016 presidential election. Here's the thing with, with Michael Cohen, Redfinch. Redfinch was hired to write a computer script to vote for Trump about 50,000 times in two different online polls. Neither one of the polls were, it was, it was early in the election process, like 2014, not, it was not about, will you be voting for Trump? It's not that kind of poll. The polls are to make Trump look good and bolster his credibility as a potential presidential candidate. So one of them was a CNBC top 25 businessmen of the last 25 years poll. And Redfinch was hired to get bots to vote for Trump as one of these top 25 businessmen thousands and thousands of times just to make him look good online leading up to his announcement of his presidential run. And we don't know if Falwell made the professional connection between Gager and his company Redfinch and Cohen, but it seems extremely plausible. So this is where we finally get something possibly illegal, though. Ooh. Liberty University's official Twitter account tweeted that CNBC poll on January 23rd, 2014. The tweet reads, quote, Our friend at Real Donald Trump has been nominated as one of at CNBC's top 25 businessmen of the last 25 years. Vote for him here and includes a link to the poll. So this was in 2014? In 2014, right. So that was before he announced. And Trump had spoken. Yeah, it's before he announced his presidential run. Trump had spoken at Liberty's convocation and was making connections in the Republican Party, and it may have kind of been an open secret that he was going to run. We don't really know because, you know, we weren't there for those conversations. Of course, as a nonprofit organization, it would be a massive tax law violation for Liberty to attempt to influence the results of a political election. Jerry Jr. claims that Trump had and his organization had not told anyone at Liberty that he was planning a presidential run and that they simply promoted this tweet calling him our friend, just as they would have promoted the books, movies, or other work of any number of other past convocation speakers, especially because Trump was so generous as to speak at the 2012 convocation for free. So Mm. there's absolutely plausible deniability, but if anybody at Liberty did know, who, if anybody involved in the sending of that tweet did know that Trump was planning a presidential run and still boosted that poll that is really toeing the line with tax law. Man, I mean, Jerry Falwell Sr. was also a racist stain, but he would not have gone anywhere near Donald Trump. I would like to think not, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, the thing is that Donald Trump is the kind of like Jerry Falwell Sr. 
was like angered to be in hustler magazine whereas donald trump would probably give an interview with hustler magazine just because you know like the the interesting thing about jerry falwell senior is that i was never able to find any kind of sex scandal with him other than you know him moving to a college to break up his later wife and her then fiance which is a little shady but not i've seen a lot worse it's not illegal it's just like no, of course not. Um, <laughs> just and um, like as long as there's no ring on the finger, man. Like you just well, like... they were they were engaged, but not married. Yeah, I think if Jerry Senior ever had any kind of sexual misconduct, it was very very well covered up. And I would maybe think that wasn't something that happened because if he was that good at cover-ups he probably would have passed that knowledge on of how to cover things up down to his son also he was big in like the 70s the 60s the 70s the 80s and that would like during that time that stuff was everywhere everybody who was doing that like years later after they died people were just like oh yeah we we were all doing that and that's all come out but you don't really hear anything i don't know i just get the feeling like that really wasn't his bag yeah, I don't, I don't think so either, and I, I hope I don't learn otherwise, but I may, because our listeners know a lot of things that I don't know. Yeah, so if you had sex with Jerry Falwell Sr. in oh, like God. 1975, uh, shoot us an uh, email, leavingedenpod at gmail.com. Liberty also towed the legal line when moving their graduation dates and exam dates to ensure that students would be available to vote in local elections. I mean, every university should do that, though. Right, to make voting accessible to students. And the Politico article that I'm reading from does note that most universities probably do the same. What Liberty did that was a problem that went right up to the legal line without crossing it was moving graduation a week later to make sure that students registered and voted in Lynchburg instead of going home to vote in their local elections. Interesting. Yeah, huh. and they clearly stated in internal emails from Liberty that this was on purpose to try to swing Lynchburg's local elections more conservative. So it, admitting that they wanted to influence the results of a local election is just on the line of what is legal. Because all it would have taken is one staff member to tell a group of students who to vote for in the local elections that they would now be present for to completely fall off that precipice into violation of law. I mean, but they could just say, like, vote for who you think God is telling you to vote for. And sure. you don't even need to say vote for all the, the, the Reds, vote for all the Republicans, you know. But unfortunately for students, um, Liberty University is a fundamentalist school and has the same sorts of problems that plague Bob Jones University, Pensacola Christian, Hiles Anderson College, and every other fundy college. Those same issues also plague Liberty. Yeah, it's so unfortunate that any time we talk about a fundamentalist college, there has to be a section on campus sexual assault. Of course, Liberty, like Pensacola Christian College, like BJU, has been called out for its fair share of assaults and cover-ups, as well as racism, homophobia, transphobia, etc. The only thing that felt different about Liberty is that they were able to keep a lid on these happenings for a little bit longer than other fundamentalist schools. I feel that the early 2010s were a prime time for people to start speaking out about 
abuse or discrimination that they'd faced. The BJU Grace investigation, for example, started in 2012. So my gut feeling would be that perhaps Liberty was able to keep this problematic history quiet for longer because of their greater financial resources and their power in the evangelical world. Although that is just my guess. In 2020, a very long history of racism reached a boiling point when Jerry Jr. tweeted an old photo of the governor of Virginia in blackface as an, as an extremely racist way to make a point about his anti-masking sentiment. Yeah. Like he reduced something that's already bad to a reason that he didn't want to wear a mask. Several black staff members resigned over this and several athletes announced their intentions to transfer out, forcing Jerry Jr. to quickly backpedal and apologize. At this point, former NFL player and Liberty graduate Kelvin Edwards was hired to be the executive vice, executive vice president of management efficiencies and diversity. Edwards was given assurance that his term at the school would be no less than 10 years. However, just months later, after Jerry Jr.'s fall from grace, Edwards was very quickly fired by the new school president. Man, that's... So, similar to how BJU hired Grace and then fired them and then rehired them, they hired a person to be in charge of diversity and not being so racist and then immediately fired him. Also in 2021, Lequan McLaurin, who had previously worked as a diversity retention officer at Liberty, sued Liberty for discrimination based on race and sexuality. It is truly shocking to me that a school started by Jerry Falwell could commit racism and show bias and discrimination. Yes. That's very the least likely thing to ever happen. There were also, I mentioned in the previous episode that Liberty also has the same rules about protesting as we discussed more at length in the Bob Jones episode. Um, there were students who were allowed to hold a Black Lives Matter protest on campus, but actual action to promote diversity is blocked by administration. So students like, oh, this is where we get into uh, trigger warning for sexual assault. Students like Elizabeth Axley, Diane Stargle, and Amanda Stevens were encouraged not to report their rapes to campus authorities because they could be found in violation of the Liberty Way and face punishment themselves. In some cases, these victims were told this by the Title IX investigators that they went to for help. Oh, man. Mm. That hurt. That hurts to read. That doesn't surprise me one bit, though. No, it's That's... not surprising, but... I hate it. Uh, Scott Lamb was the former senior vice president of communications. Lamb says that he was fired for whistleblowing on Liberty's pattern of ignoring or failing to investigate reports of sexual assault. Some students were actually fined for violating the Liberty Way. So, for example, if a student reported a rape that occurred while they were drinking alcohol, the student who was raped was punished for drinking. Uh, many students, like Chelsea Andrews, said that they did not report their assaults at all because they knew that they could be punished themselves. Of course, that's a that's not what it says in the Liberty Way. That's not what Liberty University says that they do in their student handbook. Right. The handbook says the opposite of this, and I knew that doubting it was unfortunately correct. 
Yeah, I mean, this is really classic behavior, though, because Pensacola did the same thing to a student. It's just like the using the all sins are equal doctrine to protect the real predators, and it's disgusting. And also, like, if somebody admits that they did a crime and then the other and they accuse somebody else, but the other the person that they're accusing, it has to be something that they prove. And they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, there's no evidence for you actually proving this crime. So I guess we'll just, you know, punish you for the crime that you admitted to. That's a lot of times how they can get around that. Right. And there was one case where a student reported an assault that happened off campus while she was drinking. And the this student's friend went in to the investigators to corroborate her story because the friend witnessed parts of her evening on that particular night so the friend went in as like a corroborating witness and the way that the friend was interrogated it was very clear that they thought that the friend came in to tell on her for drinking and that their goal was to get proof that she was drinking so that they could get her in trouble for drinking rather than investigating that's really disgusting that's yes this is awful there, there are also multiple stories of some assault cases that were actually successfully, question mark, investigated by the Title IX investigators at Liberty, but the, the student who committed the assault was found not guilty and allowed to continue ro- roaming around on campus, which often leads to the student who was assaulted uh, dropping out. And there's just kind of no recourse or appeals process for that. All of this, of course, will be on a uh, a free Patreon post as usual. But this is a ProPublica article. It's very graphic. There are a lot of details that I chose not to include, but it's worth a read. I'm confident that we talked about this in the Bob Jones episode, but under Title IX, a university receiving a report of sexual assault can offer internal resources to the victim, like counseling, the campus police, the college disciplinary system, etc. But they are obligated by law to include local law enforcement as an option and to help the student make a report with local law enforcement if that's what the student wants. A college can say, you can go to the police, that's your option, and then help the student make a report. They can say, well, you can go to local police or you can go to campus police and let the student choose What you can't do is fail to inform the student that local United States law enforcement is an option. In the case of Adriana Rice, Liberty University failed to include this option. And I did not say allegedly because this is actual fact. That article from ProPublica actually shows the email in which Adriana was given her options. And you can see with your own eyes that law enforcement is not one of the re- one of the resources that's included. So last week, when I talked about school rules, we talked about the self-report clause. And it is so clear by a multitude of these stories that that clause does not hold up in real life. In 2022, Liberty settled a lawsuit with 22 other victims, so other than the people that I've named so far. Uh, who were suing the school for Title IX violations, the terms of that settlement are not public. Yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, Liberty looks pretty bad in this. The thing that I, because like I've been, I've had to give statements in a Title IX investigation before. 
um, being a witness to certain things that happened when I was in college from my experience and the experiences of people who I uh, am friends with and who were involved with that situation. This kind of behavior is not particularly uh, uncommon, even among like secular universities as well. Speaking of university administration, as far as sexual harassment goes, two major perpetrators on Liberty campus were Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife, Becky. Big surprise. I mean, Becky's maybe a little surprising. Um, <clears throat> well, not, not if Falwell you know about the pool boy incident. <laughs> Right. Yeah. If you were coming into this blind, though. Yeah. So Jerry Falwell Jr. was known amongst Liberty staff for showing people provocative photos of his wife and bragging about their sex life. Among other things, he was known for bragging to Liberty staff members about the size of his staff member. Oh, so he's got more than one thing in common with Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> So, and we are like, we are anti body shaming on this podcast. But I do want to note for the record that people who brag loudly to people who work for them about such things are often lying. So, the, the, the larger problem is that this kind of talk is not appropriate in any work environment. No. Well, I guess like Silverado. <laughs> That's true. If you're like a, if you are a, uh, male exotic dancer maybe this is if you're a sex worker if you're a yeah. pornography performer then yeah okay so there are very few let me amend my statement there are very few workplace environments in which this would be appropriate uh and i think that's obvious to us all like okay so even it let's say you are somebody who works in the porn industry it would still not be appropriate to be bragging about your sex life with your partner in a way that's not connected to the work that you're doing on set that day to people who work for you people who you are their boss i still don't think that would be particularly consensual like if if anybody if your boss came up to you and handed you their phone and on the phone was a provocative picture of their spouse or their partner that's workplace sexual harassment that's not okay if your boss was bragging loudly about their sex life every time you saw them, that would mean you work for Clarence Thomas, right? <laughs> but jokes aside, this is not okay in the secular world, and there's an entire additional layer of this not being okay in Christian evangelicalism on top of that. There was a whole issue with a near leak of the aforementioned provocative photos of Becky, Jerry Jr. allegedly sent a photo of her in a French maid costume to her personal trainer to thank him for helping her achieve her fitness goals. But in the process of attempting to do it, do so, he Ew. allegedly accidentally sent it to several other people in his contact list who were uh, like random people who worked at Liberty. Nope, don't like any of that. No. Jerry Jr. categorically denies that such a photo ever existed, much less that he personally leaked it to several people on accident. Uh, the Miami Herald says, we, well, we have the photo. So yes, that this did happen. There is zero chance that he sent that picture by accident either. Have, I've, I've been on the receiving end of the, oops, you weren't supposed to see that trick. You know, you know that trick? that yeah mm. i always i always feel like i have the the last time that happened 
I felt like there was plausible deniability that it was actually an accident. Right, because it was a private Instagram story. Oh, that one. I forgot about that one. Some people... Be uh, the, the the moral of the story is like do not send nudes to people who don't want you to send them nudes. That's the don't do that. Just ask. Just ask for consent. Yeah. Jeez. I can say without question though that when somebody sends a sexy picture, they know who they are sending it to and why. So evidently, someone who had these photos or other photos of Becky was attempting to blackmail the Falwells for money. So they called their buddy, Michael Cohen, yeah, him again, uh, who flew to Miami, met with a lawyer for the person who had the photos, made some legal threats, possibly handed over some money, I don't know, and got the pictures destroyed. Shortly thereafter, Jerry Falwell Jr. made an official endorsement of Trump for president in 2016. So Jerry Jr. did the same thing that Trump did with Stormy Daniels, basically. I yeah. wouldn't say the same. I'd say similar. Yeah. But it look it certainly appears that Michael Cohen straightened out a problem for him and he repaid him with an endorsement for Trump. I'm not saying that is what happened. I'm saying it certainly appears that way. But Jerry Jr. wasn't the only sexual aggressor in his marriage. Becky Falwell was well known for flirting with every college boy on campus. She says that she was used to her life as a quiet stay-at-home mom, and the new addition of being the wife of the president of the university was a lot to handle. So, for some reason, she chose to cope with this by hitting on legal-age but young college boys. In 2008, a 22-year-old Liberty student was in a band with Jerry Jr. and Becky Falwell's son, Trey. So, she, so this kid is about her son's age. He's 22. This unnamed student sometimes stayed overnight at the Falwell's house after band practices. Becky openly flirted with him many times. She would hide in the guest room where he stayed in order to come on to him. And he was kind of soft turning her down. He didn't mind a little bit of flirting, but he certainly did not intend to have sex with her. She would pull him aside during band practice and ask him things like, have you told your friends yet that I think you're hot? Ew. That's... Yeah. One night in 2008, she got into bed with him and performed oral sex on him. Yo! What? Yeah. Um, so this young man says that he reluctantly went along with it. He frames this, it's really interesting, he frames this in the context of the biblical story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. His view of what happened is that he failed to resist temptation, although he did resist her advances in the future and they did not have sexual contact again. That's mm. not how I would frame his experiences, but I feel like it's important to respect how he frames his experiences. <sighs> He talks in anonymous interviews about the guilt that he dealt with for years and how he didn't want to be a homewrecker. And that breaks my heart. This is that he's blaming himself when he did not ask for this. I mean, Becky, she is an actual predator. She's that's terrible behavior. Like, like if somebody's like reluctantly going along with something, that means they don't want to do it. And you shouldn't be trying to push them to do something. 
that's yes i'm at the at the very least coercive yes uh, and because of the shame of purity culture that this person is clearly experiencing we it's hard for us to define exactly like how we would how we would define what happened but it but what we can say for sure is this is not okay this is not enthusiastic consent we know that much for sure and for all the dislike i have for jerry jr he was harassing adults there is a power imbalance between the him and the people that he was sexually harassing because they are his employees but they have more power compared to young men that becky is harassing right because she's the wife of the president she's of the, the school wife of the go. president and they're some college junior you see what you see what i mean the power gap between jerry jr and the people that staff members at liberty that he's harassing with inappropriate photos and appropriate conversations is big that power differential is inappropriate but the power differential between Becky and these young men is even greater, in my opinion. What she is doing is not younger guy of legal age in his 20s wants to have the experience of flirting with a woman in her 40s or 50s, or wants to have the experience of having sex with a woman in her 40s or 50s. That age gap is not inherently non-consensual, but there are that power differential is and also you know coming on to somebody and touching them without consent is not consensual do not do that you shouldn't do it it's bad don't it's do really it. creepy don't do it do two words can i and then you say whatever thing it is that you want to do and then if the person says anything other than yeah you walk away jesus oh okay so despite all the racism, assault, workplace harassment, homophobia, and more, Jerry Falwell's Jr. Jerry Falwell Jr.'s world actually started to fall apart because of a picture that he posted himself on his own Instagram account. Remember how a couple weeks back we got that conversation about like I would usually say roll tide, but Peter Ruckman doesn't deserve a roll tide. Yes. This is the. <laughs> this is. Um, Usually I'd say, hell yeah, Trailer Park Boys, but Jerry Jr. doesn't deserve Trailer Park Boys. Dude, Jerry Jr. is, uh, is Jerry Jr. like the a character from Trailer? He's like the Bible pimp. You remember the yeah, Bible pimp? Yeah, but he thinks he's Julian, <clears throat> apparently. Ugh. So for anyone who doesn't know, Trailer Park Boys is a Canadian mockumentary. It's available on Netflix. It centers on three friends living in a trailer park in Nova Scotia, Canada, and their adventures in good nature drug trafficking and highly creative uses of profanity it's a show with alcohol drugs sex and misdemeanors in nearly every moment and it also has a ton of heart and it's some of my favorite comfort content needless to say despite its many redeeming factors it would absolutely not be allowed under the liberty way Apparently, in the summer of 2020, Jerry Jr. and Becky thought it would be a good idea to throw a Trailer Park Boys-themed yacht party while on vacation and post pictures of this party to Instagram. Freedom 35. <laughs> no, the, I, I don't know. The, no. The, the Trailer Park Boys' connection to Jerry Falwell Jr. is just so wild. It's just so wild. It's 
There were many photos of this party posted on Instagram where the guests generally wore clothing that wouldn't necessarily be approved on Liberty campus, but that's not the end of the world. Um, it shows the guest holding prop cigarettes, which wouldn't be allowed on Liberty campus, but also not the end of the world. The photo that actually got Jerry in trouble shows him in dark jeans and a black t-shirt with a glass of dark liquid in his hand. So he's cosplaying Julian, which is laughable personality-wise, but also laughable because Julian on the show Trailer Park Boys usually wore his pants zipped up all the way. Maybe he was... While, fall... <laughs> While Falwell's pants are unzipped in the front and his shirt is pulled up to his ribcage to like show his stomach area, he's standing with his arm wrapped around the ribcage of a younger woman who is wearing a red wig, short shorts, and a crop top, who also has her shorts unzipped with her belly out. This younger woman, the wife of his personal assistant at the time, is pregnant. I think she's cosplaying Trinity, like when Trinity's character was pregnant, so this makes sense. And Falwell's hand is like up on her ribcage. It's just barely below her breasts. So Falwell's caption reads, More vacation shots. Lots of good friends visited us on the yacht. I promise that's just black water in my glass. It was a prop only. My mm. dude, the glass that's meant to look like alcohol is literally the least of your problems here. Like the way that you're touching somebody who isn't your wife in a way that's prohibited by the rules of the university of which you are president. Or the fact that you are in a state of undress with someone of the quote opposite gender, which is also explicitly prohibited by the rules of the university of which you are the president. Or the fact that you are throwing a party based on content that would be prohibited. Whatever is in your glass, my dude, is not the issue here. Yeah, the thing that just really bothers me is that so much of the the way that fundamentalism is is it's all about avoiding the appearance of impropriety. Right. And everything is just well, you can't do this even if you're not doing anything wrong. We we have these rules and you can't look like you to somebody like you might be doing anything wrong and you can't represent us in a way that it's, I mean, it just goes to show how comfortable this guy is flouting, just like flaunting the rules and just saying, I can do what I want. Right. So this photo hit the news. People lost their minds. Mm. So he started trying to do damage control on the unzipped pants photo. So his excuse is, well, my assistant's wife is pregnant and she can't button her shorts up all the way. And that's like a part of the character she's cosplaying. I thought she might feel self-conscious about it. So I unzipped my pants and took my belly out too. And that would kind of be a cute story, right? Like my husband's boss was a good sport and he helped me not feel so self-conscious about my belly being out. This could be a cute story if he were not the president of a major Christian university, which prohibited like 14 activities that he's doing in the same picture for all of their students. Um, due to the embarrassment to the university, Jerry Jr. was placed on uh, indefinite leave of absence by Liberty University on August 7th, 2020. And that's when the real started to hit the fan. Here so we I go. So I know you're all here for the pool boy. We're finally there. Uh, it's not the most important part of the story, but it's absolutely the juiciest. And we will get to that as soon as we get back from taking up the offering. Has this ever happened to you? 
I went to Sunday school every Sunday, and now I can't hear a loud horn without having an anxiety attack. Hi, I'm recently deceased but never forgotten Christian music sex symbol Carmen. I'm calling Collect from the Big House, meaning heaven, not jail, to tell you how to get answers for your religious traumas. I started the excommunication station, and now I realize my empathy felt weird when I was a kid, and how the Council for National Policy, a shadowy Christian organization, controls just about fucking everything in America. So if you've been looking for answers, or if you've ever been on the outside wondering, hey, what's really going on in the church? These gobble ghouls have the info you need. So look up the excommunication station wherever you get your podcasts and all their socials under XCOMPOD. Peace be with yous. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are back from our break, listeners. And we know that you have all been waiting for this moment when we're going to talk about the pool boy scandal. So this is a story that starts with a fancy vacation in Miami and a young, hot pool attendant and a mature married lady with a wondering eye. This is not a exceptional story at the beginning, but this story very quickly spirals out of control, like way out of control. Because this came out right after the yacht yes. party like two and a half weeks after i thought the yacht party thing was kind of funny but not like i was just like oh they're just gonna ignore this and they'll blow over and then he'll be back in like a month no this came out i was eating it up and people listeners to the show kept asking us to talk about it um because this was in like the very early days of us doing the show right this was like summer 2020 this is like right when we were we're coming out with it right, right. i want to say um and people kept asking us about it 
and and to do an episode about it but like we were not prepared for it at the time i almost feel like we would have had to give this pool boy story the same level of coverage that we eventually ended up giving to the josh duggar trial because it just like more information just kept coming out every single day now it's a couple of years down the road the hulu documentary on this whole thing is out more articles are available and we can get much more of a bird's eye view of the whole thing so i think i'm glad that we're covering it now and not back then are you ready to get into the story oh please sadie let's go so according to john carlo granda he was 20 years old and working as a pool boy at a hotel in upscale hotel in miami when one day he found himself making eyes at an attractive older woman at the pool. One thing led to another, some flirty words were exchanged, and she invited him back to her hotel room. And after he said yes, and this is important, she said, oh, by the way, one tiny thing my husband wants to watch. And he, you know, he had already said yes, he was definitely attracted to her. He figured how weird could it get? Incredibly weird is how weird it could get. So, and when he got to the hotel room, it wasn't just my husband wants to watch. It's her husband was drunk and giggling in the other bed in the room. So he asks the husband, he's, John Carlo is trying to establish consent. And he's telling the husband, hey, if this gets too weird for you, just let me know because I can, I can walk out. Like, we'll be cool. And this is also at his place of employment, which is an interesting, that's a choice. Yeah. Um, that's not a good decision i don't care that he wants to have sex with a, a customer of the hotel where he works i don't care that he wants to consensually have sex with somebody who's married while her husband watches what i think is a bad choice is doing it at the hotel where he works was he on the clock at the no, time he was not on the clock oh okay bummer well the Man. husband tells him this will be fine <laughs> just go for it so while Giancarlo had sex with this older woman, who she was about 45 at the time, he was 20, her husband watched from the other bed. Uh, on other occasions, he would watch from a dark and shadowy corner of the room, sometimes in various states of undress. Only uh, later did Giancarlo learn that this woman was Becky Falwell and her husband was Jerry Falwell Jr. Did he know who the Falwells were? Yes. Um, in the Hulu documentary, God Forbid, John John Carlo talks about how his grandmother had watched Jerry Falwell Sr. on TV, and he remembered watching that with her. He also talks about how he had considered himself a conservative his whole life, and he was um, a fan of Donald Trump. He's Cuban, right? Yes. Half. Yeah, yeah, that, that tracks. Mm-hmm. And he was a fan of, of Donald Trump even before Trump's presidential run in 2016. To be clear, Giancarlo doesn't strike me as the ultra MAGA type. He, he's like the, oh, Trump is just a good businessman type, which I believe to be incorrect, but I also believe to be more respectable. Also, he's he's in Miami. Like Miami is a city where uh, flaunting excessive wealth is something that you can do and it's deemed to be socially acceptable it's very much a city where you can like win respect from people by doing that right so if that's what john carlo has seen growing up then it makes sense that he would have a positive impression of donald trump flaunting his gross displays of wealth sadie and i are, are, are i'm from portland where where sadie lives now and if i saw somebody in portland and and they were saying i've got solid gold toilets in my house 
I don't know. I, I, I would think that that was horribly cringe and just like, oh man, like really that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just that it would be in poor taste, tacky and just like, and that's, it's a matter of taste and personal ethics a lot more than it is anything moral about a person. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Miami is a city where that is much more acceptable. And I think like when, when people look down on new money that can have some racist and classist undertones, but the mindset that Trump is a, <clears throat> a great businessman is an idea that I strongly disagree with, but it's so much easier to understand than some of the ultra MAGA QAnon stuff that we see. You know, I would so much rather be in a room with somebody who doesn't know about Trump's multiple bankruptcies or can find a way to explain it a way that makes sense to them than I would, ra I would rather that than be in a room with someone who thinks his misogyny and abusive behavior toward women and his ableism and so on and so forth are just fine and dandy. And I'd rather be hanging out with somebody who thinks he's a good businessman than someone who unironically enjoys those paintings with like Trump on a cross and like a Jesus themed picture. Like believing he's a good businessman, I believe you're incorrect, but that doesn't require a large amount of hatred for other people or a belief in wacky conspiracy theories or anything like that. Right. I mean, you could think that he's a good business and this was in like 2012. Right. We've learned a lot since then. Right. And at that time, Trump was popular because he was on The Apprentice. So Giancarlo said that he became Becky's best friend. They texted often. Their communications weren't exceptionally romantic at first, but they were very emotionally intimate. They told each other they loved each other over text. There was a lot of communication about what was happening in their daily lives, that sort of thing. Um, less like classic love poem, I'll catch the moon with a lasso for you kind of stuff. Jerry Jr. and Becky met Giancarlo in Miami, in Virginia, where they lived, and also in New York City. At times, they filmed Giancarlo and Becky having sex. Almost always, Jerry Jr. was present in the room, according to Giancarlo's story, but we'll get to that. When Giancarlo and Becky were apart, they texted, talked on the phone, FaceTimed. Uh, apparently, she would leave the room to answer his calls so often that her kids had an inside joke about, like, oh, where's mom going? Not knowing that she was going off to text and call a guy their age, which is gross. That part of the doc just like, oh, man. Ugh. That was that was uncomfortable. Um, yeah, to watch what they were talking about. Like, man. Yeah. Mm. When... Giancarlo, Jerry, and Becky stayed in hotel rooms together. Giancarlo says that he would sleep in the bed with Becky and Jerry would sleep on the floor or on the couch, which is maybe one of the most telling details of all of this. That says so much to me about how Jerry felt about this. Like, what specifically is this doing for him? Maybe he just doesn't like sharing a bed with people when when he's sleeping. I, I think that's very relatable. You know, people can be sure. can be uh, uh, their bodies can be hot or they can be uh, consummate cover hogs. They can yeah, that's be, true. And if there's three uh, people, <laughs> the thing is, if there's three people in a bed, somebody has to be in the middle, like being on an airplane seat, and that's that seems constricting and not fun to me. But then again, the Falwells are rich. They can just buy a giant bed. 
Yeah. It's not like college where you're uh, uh, sharing like a twin mattress in your dorm room with somebody. They were spending all that money flying him around on rented private jets. They didn't have money for two rooms. <laughs> no. So Granda met the family. He hung out with Jerry Jr. and Becky's kids. And this brings up the issue that I have with evangelical Christians who are secret kinksters. Go for it. So a person wanting to watch someone else have sex with their partner when everybody involved consents is not something I want to kink shame. It's also not horribly uncommon. Either. Not at all. Like, I'm sure that this can be and is done by people all over the world <clears throat> in a way that's consensual for everybody involved. My problem is that when evangelical fundies do kinky stuff, they do it badly. Kink communities are notorious for being you uh, like usually if they're if they're a good one, usually very consent focused. And the fundies, it, it seems like all of that stuff is kept so on the DL that they don't even really have the language to talk about that. Right. So like when the fundies appropriate Judaism, they miss the point, right? Like it, they consistently, yeah. whatever the point is, they miss it. They like appropriate stuff and they're like, well, we're doing this for vibes, but they like ignore the... So they... They kind of do the same thing whenever they get into kink stuff. So first, Becky Falwell messed up consent because she invited Giancarlo back to her hotel room. He says yes, and then she hits him with like, oh, one more thing my husband wants to watch. So she's gotten a yes to one thing, and then she's added on a second activity in a way that's that's pretty coercive because like... If she had said up front, do you want to come back to my hotel room and have sex with me while my husband watches? I don't, we don't know what he would have said. Like she's already kind of pulled him into the beginnings of, a, of an agreement before giving him all the information. Yeah. And when I was a salesman, when I was doing sales, uh, like musical instrument sales for guitar yep, it's center, a sales technique. Yep. Like one of the things that they would tell us would they would be like, okay what you need to do is you need to like sell the like the main instrument and then act like you've already got the sale on all of the accessories to go with it so they just see one price and then when they get the final bill they're like a little bit like oh okay well that's how much all this stuff is going to cost you so they're like okay i'll get the guitar and then you're like okay great now you need a case. Now you need cables. Now you need a strap. Now you need picks. Now you need a tuner. Now you need the capo. Now you need uh extended warranty. Now you need extra string pack. Now you're like blah, 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 like all this extra yes. stuff that adds up to $1,500 or whatever. Yeah. And that's manipulative. And that's basically what she's doing, but that's what they literally told us to do when I was working there. And that's like, and I didn't feel right about that. I felt like that was super coercive, but that's pretty much what she's doing. Right. And then, so he, finds out that the husband's going to be involved somehow and he consents to that even though the way that she asked for consent was not ideal and then he gets there and the husband is super drunk and he's put on the spot in a way that's inappropriate he should have had all of this information before that initial yes second they had this guy hanging out with their kids who were around his own age so for reference he was 20 in 2012 when this began, and the Falwell's three children were late teens, early 20s, around the same age. Now, polyamorous families are valid, but this isn't that. 
it's also not a problem if a couple has kids and then gains a partner and lets that partner interact with their children. And it's not, in my opinion, an ethical problem if that couple chooses any number of ways to identify their new partner's place in their children's lives. Depending on the ages of the children, there are a lot of ways that are above board consensual and appropriate all the way from this is mom and dad's friend to this is mom and dad's boyfriend or girlfriend who is going to be spending more time with our family. And I also don't think it's an issue if an older couple who has adult kids gains another partner and chooses to keep that relationship completely private and not tell their adult kids. Uh, I think a lot of us who are adults would probably prefer that way. <laughs> What's unethical? is not any of that. What's unethical is that John Carlo is never treated as a human partner who has a relationship with Becky or a throuple relationship with Becky and Jerry. John Carlo has access to sex with Becky. He has emotional intimacy with her. They become fairly codependent or she's dependent on him, kind of depending on whose story you listen to. But he's dehumanized by the virtue of having no power or no title in the relationship. He is mm. treated as a hunky tan breathing sex toy for Becky and an unpaid therapist for Becky. And what the ethical problem that is forefront for me with this story is that he has no choice in how the Falwells choose to pre present him to their adult kids. People his age, his peer group, he has no choice in how they present him to the world. He went on family tricks, trips with them. He appeared in public with their family at political events, college events. He met Donald Trump with them. And he didn't get to uh, uh, in any input in how they introduced him. They chose to introduce him as a guy that Jerry was mentoring in real estate. That's the story that they wrote for him. And he did not really have a say. That power imbalance in this relationship is the primary issue that I have with this. That just seems like that's so much of a symptom of not only are we Christians who have to pick, keep up appearance, but we are Christians who are very public figures and leaders within our religious movement. And we have to keep up appearances. So nothing that you do can 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 interfere with it's almost like they were like love bombing him in a way but then mm -hmm. saying okay now you've put all this in you can't do anything to hurt us mm -hmm. and 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 using that as a way to manipulate him and we'll give you money to start a business we'll give you uh, a chance to meet people that you idolize but you're going to be photographed with us and we're the ones who get to tell the photographer who you are. Soon, Jerry and Becky started a real estate venture involving Giancarlo. Jerry Jr. made a personal loan to a company that was owned by Becky, Giancarlo, and one of the Falwell's sons. That loan was used on a down payment for an LGBT-friendly hostel that would be opened in Miami with Giancarlo as the business manager. That's wild. They purposely built and opened a LGBTQ-friendly establishment. The building apparently also had a liquor store in it, for what it's worth. Jerry probably enjoyed the discount. So that's, that's hypocritical, because he is 
preaching against the gays and the feminists from, well, not preaching, he's speaking against the gays and the feminists and not wanting LGBT people to attend Liberty University, but he's making money off of this, personally making money off of this business. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One of the people that is behind much of this recent push to really dehumanize that community mm-hmm. in, a, in a horrible way, in a, in a truly horrible way, in, a, in an unconscionable way. And yet he's taking their money. Yes. And it's it's really disgusting. It that is. is that is so two-faced. That is ju- I mean that that is something that I mean we, every every time we keep I keep thinking about like the conversation that we had with Shoshana about moral development and mm. I honestly I like I honestly do believe that these these families that are like that there's so many people who grow up in this sort of thing whose moral development is absolutely stunted by this and they don't know like right from like this is absolutely wrong this is a bad thing to do and it's it's just wrong and th- like the fact that he's just willing to do it and he's just perfectly fine with doing it it's ugh. beyond that hypocrisy though this is where kind of hit the fan fortunately this hypocrisy is going to come back to bite him in the butt Giancarlo thought that the Falwells might be using this business partnership as a way to keep him in line and keep him quiet because Giancarlo and Becky's physical and emotional relationship was officially called off right around the time that this sale was pending. And it was at the point where Jerry could have pulled his money out of the sale, but he chose not to. Becky said in one interview that I read that they did not trust Giancarlo and they thought that maybe it was a keep your friends close and your enemies closer kind of situation by this point. So eventually (sighs) Giancarlo decided that 
he he felt like they were trying to keep him in line and he decided that he wanted to negotiate a buyout get out of this deal move on with his life this is also around the time remember <clears throat> remember i talked about michael cohen flying down to florida to like rescue some sexy photos of becky from an uninvolved third party who was maybe trying to use them for blackmail yes what happened was two of john carlo's friends a father and son had offered to help jerry find the correct investment property in miami and they were under the impression that their payment for doing so would be a small cut of the business jerry said no i never agreed to give you a cut of the business so they were threatening him to they were threatening to sue him over this and they may have been the people who had the racy photos of becky or it may have been somebody completely different that's still a little bit unclear but this is when michael cohen had to go fly down to fix this whole situation and then immediately after he did so jerry gave trump his endorsement for president which is suspicious yeah. but not legally actionable so uh do have a trigger warning for a very brief discussion of a very serious assault here this whole drama of trying to negotiate a buyout dragged on for years like roughly 2016 to 2020. i do feel obligated to note that becky claims that john carlo assaulted her during this time at her home in 2018. we know that th at this point summer 2018 he and some of his family members visited the Falwells home in Virginia for business purposes. She claims that while on that trip, he cornered her in a bedroom and pressured her into sex, which she went along with, even though she did not want to because she was afraid of him exposing their affair. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Becky told Vanity Fair, quote, Jerry would wake up every morning and worry that my affair would come out. Both of us did. It's just horrible to have that over you. John Carlo categorically denies that he wanted to blackmail the Falwells for money other than that he just wanted his buyout. He wanted out of the business. And he denies that he ever sexually assaulted Becky. The Falwells insist that the Falwells, <laughs> turns out, have a completely different story of all of this. They insist that Becky, on her own, had an affair with Giancarlo and that Jerry was never involved and did not know about the affair until months later. And he certainly didn't watch creepily from any corners. Yeah, but this is verifiably false because we have the pictures, we have the... Right. The, yeah. Falwell said, Becky had an inappropriate personal relationship with this person, something in which I was not involved. Was that from the Vanity Fair article? No, that was that was earlier. This is this is something that he said when the story first broke. He thought he could tell yeah. people that his wife just had an affair and everything else was made up, which I mean, that is fundamentalism though. Him for that though. Like he's willing to just throw his wife under the bus like that. That's awful. I mean, and also like with the power dynamics of this relationship, acting like I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I find this just. <sighs> well, my, you know, my wife just lost control and had an affair. This has nothing to do with me. That's sick. That is honestly so much worse than, yeah, sorry. I wanted to watch a young guy, my wife. Like that is, that is so much worse. You know what I mean? 
Yes. Like, oh, yeah. And like being they're... willing to throw your partner under the bus that way. No. No. Yeah, but the, he's he's from fundamentalism, and in fundamentalism, women aren't people, and the ministry comes before everything else, or the whatever right. the 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 I guess liberty comes before everything else. That's your cash cow, mm -hmm. and that's your thing that you need to use to to save the world. It's even I though you think, don't even believe that anymore because you're Jerry even Falwell. Though, yeah, and, and you haven't believed that for like twenty years, but. No, I just think this is absolutely abhorrent that he would throw his wife under the bus and that she would be willing. Like, she went along with this story for a while until actual receipts came out that proved that Jerry what knew about it was in on it the whole time. The fact that she was willing to allow herself to be thrown under the bus that way is heartbreaking, um, regardless of my dislike for her. So, John Carlo was at the end of his rope after being unable to negotiate a buyout. The media was starting to catch on that something was going on between Giancarlo Granda and Jerry Falwell Jr. and Becky Falwell, uh, when, especially when the lawsuit of Giancarlo's friends broke. People started investigating. People started turning up pictures of him with the Falwells in all sorts of different places that they had traveled together. Uh, and nobody suspected the affair yet, but it was clear that something was going on. At this point in 2020, Giancarlo texted Jerry Jr., quote, since you're okay with ruining my life, I'm going to take the kamikaze route. Jerry texted back, you should by now understand that I will not be extorted. I mean, but at that time, he knows that these messages are going to go public. So if he says, I will not be extorted. Right. Exactly. Then he's, he's, he's basically saying, I'm saying that this is the thing that's happening to you. Therefore, and when that comes out, that'll be proof mm -hmm. that see, I mean, it, that's, that's the trick. That's like the gaslighters trick is that you can send something to somebody in a message. You can say you did X, Y, Z thing that never, they never actually did. And then they can, and then when, you know, if they decide that they're going to try and get like a, a restraining order against you or something like that, or this or that, or the other thing, then you can say, no, look, I have these messages. Look, see here, I did this thing. Or if you're uh, like a celebrity or an influencer and you do something bad, you can do this too. And you can release these messages to social media. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it, it's, and, and then all your fans can say, oh yeah, see, he has the messages where he said that he did that, but you're the only one saying that that's happening, but you can just say, see, I said that this was happening at the claim. So it's basically getting your story straight mm -hmm. when you know that you're f so that you can do damage control, like it's preemptively doing damage control. And that's really disgusting. Exactly. Everybody here knows that something is going to break and everybody's trying to get ahead of the story. The Falwells attempted to get ahead of the breaking story like the day before it was supposed to come out by saying that Giancarlo was just a, a bitter form former business partner. Classic. When that didn't fly, oh, he's just, he's trying to blackmail us. Don't listen to anything he has to say. And then he had too many receipts. So then they admitted that Becky had an affair, but Jerry wasn't involved. Uh, at this point in their changing story, Jerry said, that's the only reason I resigned, because I don't want something my wife did to harm the school I've spent my whole life building. I never broke a single rule that applies to staff members at Liberty, which I was. So I want everybody to know that. He also, yeah. Yeah, he also said, Becky and I forgave each other. Because while her indiscretion may have been more obvious and apparent, I realized that there were important smaller things that I needed to do better too. 
this quote here is proof to me that any apology that Jerry could ever say is absolutely bullshit PR stuff. Like this is more hollow than an apology from a YouTuber who got caught on mic saying a racial slur. That is. This is like. That is awful. And when he talks about the smaller things that he needed to do better, he apparent apparently what he said is that well i thought maybe she she had an affair because she wasn't attracted to me anymore so i started taking testosterone supplements and went to the gym so that i could be a more <laughs> attractive husband for her um so jerry falwell by the way says hrt for me but not for thee apparently well the other thing about this is that uh taking hgh and and steroids also there's a uh, increased risk of becoming a violent person when you did not display violent behavior before. Yeah. And that's one of the issues is that you will, it's, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to do this to my body. And if bad things happen to my body, then so be it. It's that you are a greater risk to other people around you. Well, Jerry brings up like the reason that he flat out admitted that he was on testosterone at this time is he was blaming his reactions and his anger at the time on the testosterone that he was taking. <sighs> that's like jack scott blaming his uh molestation of a teenage girl on having prostate issues i'm gonna bring up the 2018 assault story one more time and again it's brief becky's story about john carlo allegedly assaulting her at her home in 2018 is a totally different thing to the receipts about the relationship. I want to clarify why I'm treating these as two separate issues. I don't want to pass judgment on whether this assault happened or not because there's little evidence. She said it happened, he denied it. And I don't believe in Becky's personal honesty or integrity, but I do have a policy of when I'm thinking about a case where someone is claimed to be assaulted, I start from the position of believing the victim until there's clear evidence to the contrary. Like that's not always my ending point, but it is always going to be my starting point. It does logically follow that some men would feel okay about assaulting someone or coercing someone into sex because she had said yes in the past. Many people have similar stories. They're more than you could ever possibly read in a lifetime. But unlike the vast majority of sexual assault survivors, Becky would have a reason to make a false claim to try to discredit him. So given that logical look at this claim, I do not want to try to speculate on whether it happened or not. I want to treat that as a big question mark. It also doesn't affect the actual receipts that he has that he that show that he did have a consensual affair with Becky and that Jerry knew. So outside of that one part of the story, which I do want to kind of sequester in its own little box, I don't buy this bit about Jerry Jr. not knowing about the affair and not being involved. Sure, it is possible that Becky had sex with Giancarlo at first without Jerry involved and that he only later found out about it. That's possible. What's not possible is that Jerry didn't continue this on and off yes and no relationship that his wife was having and and that jerry wasn't involved in that there is a video call recording from 2019 where becky is on facetime naked walking around the house 
FaceTiming Giancarlo and like showing him all the places that they had sex in their house. And in that call, you can see Jerry, he's like hiding behind doors and creeping on this conversation in like a fun flirtatious kind of way and he's smiling. There is also an audio recorded phone call from 2018 where Jerry and Becky are joking about Granda's dating life making her jealous. There is abundant evidence Ooh. that there was a time period during all of this where Jerry was fully aware of what was going on and fully allowing it and participating as a third party. Well, also, there's no way, even even if the extremely unlikely circumstance is is true that Jerry just didn't know, there's no way that he didn't know how his wife was behaving on Liberty Campus. Right. Like if it, he, Jerry is fully aware that his wife likes 20 year old men, that his wife just like she fancies herself a cougar and she likes finding younger men to try and come on to and have sex with. And I guess she feels powerful when she does that or she feels like uh, uh, wh whatever she feels, she gets some sort of satisfaction out of doing that. She dropped out of college after her freshman year in order to date and marry Jerry. And she says that she was kind of reclaiming the college experience that she never had. That's what she was said that she was getting out of this. Huh. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just don't know why you would, if you could pick anybody, any group of people to have sex with, I don't know why you would pick 20 year old men who are notoriously not excellent at uh, having sex with women. Yeah, uh, that's a in because <laughs> in a way that is mutually pleasurable to everybody and 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 satisfying because of power to like that's why yeah. um so in august 2020 just a few weeks after jerry was placed on indefinite leave from liberty because of the trailer park boys photo the john carlo granda story broke after a few tense days Falwell officially resigned from both his position as president and then from the Liberty Board of Directors. And then he did a Brett Favre and uh, backpedaled that and then again resigned for real this time. He strangely proclaimed on an NPR podcast, free at last, and seemed to be celebrating his separation from the university. He went on to state that he didn't understand why his habit of drinking alcohol hidden in water bottles on campus was even a big deal, since there wasn't a Liberty rule stating that staff members couldn't do that, and there were plenty of other staff members that drank alcohol at home. He would say things like, well, I never broke a single rule that is in the Liberty staff handbook, which is technically true. It's his lawyer days coming back, but it, that maybe should have been common sense. I'm also thinking that Jerry should not have dressed up as Julian from Trailer Park Boys. He should have dressed up as Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys if he was drinking alcohol out of water bottles. <laughs> so th later there have been lawsuits between Falwell and the school. He sued the school over the circumstances of his leave of absence and resignation. And then the school has been trying to get him to return his several million dollar severance pay. Those that don't seem to have come to much so far. The Falwells are sticking to their story. They say that Becky had an affair without Jerry's involvement and that he forgave her because he knows he's not perfect either. Uh, Becky said to Vanity Fair, We're together more than any couple you will ever meet in your life. He forgave me, and that's what Jesus teaches, forgiveness. 
yeah. Like, I, I that's read the gross. Fair. I read the Vanity Fair article. I have opinions about it. Maybe I'll get to them in a little bit. Like, con- consensually having sex with somebody, it, whether that's whether what whatever you're doing whether it's very kinky or very vanilla is not gross what's gross is bringing jesus's forgiveness into this and throwing your wife under the bus to try to cover for yourself and allowing your husband to throw you under the bus even though he's got nothing left to protect except for his ego well according to jack scop uh sex within a christian marriage is technically a three-way with jesus so yeah Maybe they were just trying to make that a little more real life. I mean, while, while this affair, I do find this whole situation very funny. And it's a bit of shade and Freud to see devout people exposed as deviants behind closed doors. I mean, it, it is extremely vile. You read the Vanity Fair article, right? Yes. I read the Vanity Fair article. That was one of the, because I was paying attention to the story while it was coming out and all the details were going out. And then... Vanity Fair did their interview with Jerry Falwell and 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 Becky Falwell and I was extremely frustrated with how they didn't ask any of the tough questions like Jerry Jr is on one hand he's working as chairman of Liberty University which is essentially part of the like it's part intern factory for conservative political candidates and like right wing think tanks devoted to trying to pervert every word and phrase in the u.s constitution to make an argument towards installing christian religious rule yet behind closed doors jerry falwell is no longer a fundamentalist and for all of the hatred that he spews towards lgbtq people and and like the distilled palatable version of hatred that you know the I believe that sex belongs in a marriage between one man and one woman. Falwell is himself free to do as he pleases. And his defense is it's like, he also in the article at the beginning, he's like, well, I'm not really a fundamentalist anymore. And I haven't been for some time. And that's like also part of his excuse, but he needed to keep up appearances for the sake of his job and the sake of his father's legacy. Cause that's not a valid excuse to me. You know, the reason why Falwell kept up appearances is because keeping them up gained him power. And as I said earlier in the episode, people who are primarily concerned with power will use any avenue to get it. But once they face consequences, their excuses are just self-pitying garbage. Yeah, I agree with you. The issue, I, I really don't want this to be made out to be, oh, the issue is that somebody wanted to do less usual sexual behaviors. The issue is that there was a pretty serious power imbalance in the way and they did not treat the person with which they were doing these activities well. And the issue is that he was upholding one moral standard for thousands and thousands of young people and thousands and thousands of adults nationwide that he had political influence over while not keeping those standards for himself. That You're absolutely right. You know what else I just thought of? You remember in the lead up to the 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 16 election, the people who were like big Trump supporters were out here calling everybody who wasn't into Trump cucks. That was like their you remember <laughs> yeah. this. Oh, that yeah. was like their go-to insult of choice that they would call like you I would be like, Yeah, f- Donald Trump. They'll be like, Oh yeah, what you cuck. 
uh, which because essentially what they were saying was the subtext to this insult was that I was a person who was willing to let somebody who was not the same color as me steal the the bounty that was my that that was mine by right is essentially the 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 thing that they are saying when they use this insult yet here we have jerry falwell actual cuck fetish and like that's the thing if i met somebody and i was friends with somebody and like we were close friends and sometimes you have conversations with people who you're friends with about like I'm into this thing. Like if you're really close with somebody, that's not a weird conversation to have with somebody. If you're like good friends with them and you're like, and you have that kind of relationship. If I had a very close friend who was just like, yeah, I'm like my girlfriend or my wife and I are, are kind of into the whole cuckolding fetish thing. I'd be like, good for you, man. I like, like I'm, I hope I'm happy you're, for you. Hope you're happy. Hope you're safe. Hope you're having good sex and all that. I hope you are successful in finding people to fulfill that for you, you know, but here, like, I don't know the, I, cause I did read the vanity fair puff piece. It was such a puff piece. It was such a BS puff piece. It was like, the whole thing was like, now Jerry jr. Lives in a quaint, simple life out in the country with his family. And then he, he waxes poetic about this rustic farmhouse in rural Virginia with a view of the mountains, declining to mention that he bought that house with blood money that his dad got from being a hate monger. And now the, the money he got from running the Chud factory that is Liberty University. Honestly, like it's so fucking bullshit. It could be you. You remember in like 2016 when there was like a or like post 2016 election when there was an entire genre of new york times articles that were like in this rural diner in ohio blah blah trump voters blah 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 and the libs are trying to take away their like you know you remember those articles vaguely honestly it could be that or it could be like a new york times profile of an actual nazi like oh like an honest to god not like a dude with ss bolt tattoos that would come out like 2017 and they would be like, see, they're people too. But when it comes to people like Jerry Falwell Jr., I feel like he got off easy. And as like tabloid and and Hulu doc as he got, honestly, I wanted full tabloid treatment. Like I wanted UK tabloid treatment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he did deserve that. Few people deserve that, he but did. he did. I mean, maybe you're listening. That Maybe you think that this is extreme. Maybe you think that's a violation of privacy. But without Jerry Falwell... His, his senior without Jerry Falwell senior, do we have the Patriot act without Jerry Falwell senior? Do we have the same police state that we have now? How about individual privacy? Like the, the right to privacy without Jerry Falwell senior. And also without Jerry Falwell jr. Without Liberty, without the moral majority, do we have the Dobbs decision last year? That's telling people, no, you don't have a right to choose what you can do with your own damn body. I don't know. I like, I want all their dirty laundry aired out for everyone to see. I like th these people are so disgusting to me. Like you don't get to poison our country and our government for decades and decades and decades and decades. And then when it comes out that you've got a pool boy cuck fetish, you get to say, well, I'm just not that religious. And I didn't ask for this. Like, like you, Jerry Jr. F you, Jerry Falwell Jr. Like, and also I didn't actually participate in any of this. It was just it, my, it was wife. my wife. She was the one that, because I mean, it's just like women aren't people. 
just like you get no sympathy for me you knew your dad was a hypocrite and you let it like there was also the part of the thing where he's like yeah my dad wouldn't have gone really into the whole racist stuff if my mom didn't push him into it like but then he did that the whole time he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it for decades and decades and decades it, i i don't know it's just such a, a, a when people say that they're the moral majority was not moral like this is the moral development that we talked about with shoshana a couple weeks ago was just like these people have none of it they have not gone through it like they they do not understand that the things that they are doing don't just affect them and themselves it it, it, i mean i don't know i i i think the the worst part of all of this all of this to me like okay what john carlos says happened it's juicy it's interesting i'm not gonna lie and act like i'm intellectually too superior to think that it's fun but the the part that's actually shocking and painful is that she is that becky is going along with this story of jerry forgave me because he's just like jesus and allowing herself to be treated that way because when she said that she hit on young boys on campus and then eventually initiated this relationship with Giancarlo because she didn't have the college experience that she was hoping for. I can identify with not having the college experience that you hoped for. I can identify with being an adult that feels like you missed out. She talks about how she was a stay-at-home mom to her three kids for nearly 20 years before Jerry Jr. became president of Liberty and she became the first lady of Liberty and all of a sudden was getting invited to speak at CPAC and all of these Republican women's meetings and so on and so forth. She talks about getting a personal trainer, buying a new wardrobe, getting a makeover and suddenly feeling like somebody in her life. And for, I don't think she acted appropriately with that need and desire to be somebody or the desire to take care of herself or choose her own, choose what she wanted or be her own person or look the way that she would like to look. I, I think her actions were wrong, but I can identify with a lot of the reasons that she did them, even though I would hope that I would choose better in her shoes. The not having any agency thing and having basically every somebody else makes all of the, the decisions for you, that is such a common theme when it comes to women and fundamentalism. Right. And now, so she had a good couple year run of riding that high and doing things that I think are, are not okay. Um, treating her boyfriend as an object and betraying the trust of millions of people who look to her as a quasi religious leader. That I don't think is okay. But she had this moment of capturing agency and feeling like she was coming into her own and, and being her own person for the first time at 45 years old. And now she has apparently willingly given that all up to allow her husband to blatantly lie and throw her under the bus to preserve the tiny tattered fragments of his own ego. That's unfortunate. That hurts. Well, the thing that I keep thinking of, I know I've brought this up so many times this episode because we just talked about it and I think it's so interesting is when Shoshana was talking to us about the six stages of moral development is that the first stage is punishment is about avoiding punishment. The set and, and so it's clear that, you know, she did that for much of her life where basically she had to keep up appearances 
or things would go badly for her and her family and for her husband and for the movement that they were building. And so she was under a microscope. So that's stage one, but she doesn't get to stage two of if it feels good, do it until she's much later in life, until she's already been a stay at home mom for 20 years. And then so she's trying to basically say, I'm, I want to do X, Y, Z thing that makes me feel good. And then when it comes to stage three, it's do it. Be, it's the, the good boy, nice girl thing where you do something because you care about the other person. She cares about her husband. And so now she's at stage three trying to, to, to do the thing that will please him, that will make him happy and that will protect him. I think it'll be really interesting to see how she lives out the rest of her life because she, from what she's telling us, she's had a taste of this certain lifestyle and this amount of agency. And now it appears that she's given it up to an extent. And I think it'll be very interesting to see where she goes from here. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of grace for her because of, of how she has a history of being sexually coercive to men who are who who have much less power than her yeah i'd like to see her quit that yeah that's i mean that's that's a huge problem i i completely agree and i i hope i didn't come off as undermining the severity of that problem because i certainly don't want to do that but don't you think that somebody who had that if somebody had been sexually coercive towards younger men in order to try to gain agency if they hypothetically learned about why that's bad and learned about why that's wrong and did not want to do that anymore because they now realize it's a bad thing to do but still wanted to feel like they were in control of their life and wanted to do it in a non-toxic way there are a lot of interesting things they could do not that i trust her to have that that level of of realization i think i'm in a little bit of a sunshine and rainbows fantasy world here, but it would be neat. It would be fun. I'm just wondering what. So what's what's the future look like for Liberty University? Especially, oh, I'm wondering what on. that's. Yeah, because the thing that I'm thinking about is that is that we have a presidential election coming up next year, and there's Don't many many, me. and, and this is the yeah I know, there, but this is the first time in 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 in, in uh, uh, since t- 2016 when. There's going to be republic different Republicans who are trying to to get the spot, who are trying to get the the nomination and trying to get that that endorsement, get that clout. I'm wondering if Liberty University is going to have the same cachet now as it did six years ago or seven years, however long year seven years ago when um, last we saw I, I I guess an open field. Or a technique like an open field for the Republican presidential nominees. I'm just wondering how that's going to be, how that's going to go. Or, and I'm also wondering, and I don't know if this information is at all public, how this scandal has affected their enrollment, whether people have decided, I don't want to go to the school. And the same way, you know, for Hiles Anderson, when the Scoff scandal hit, how many people dropped out? Yeah, my, my best estimate of how many people dropped out, I think, have I said about 30% on the show before? I think that was the number about that you said, that it was much smaller and then they lied about it. Yeah, they definitely, I I am personally convinced in my opinion that they fudged the numbers. I was working in the college recruitment office at the time and I am firmly convinced that they lied to people who are working in the recruitment office about the numbers, um, although I cannot prove that. 
But I just based on this, you know, when everybody gets together for chapel, how full the room looks, I would say 25 or 30% immediately dropped out, did not come back in the fall after the scop scandal would be would be reasonable. Yeah, so I'm wondering what's going to happen with Liberty as a result of that. Um, you know, maybe this will be fodder for an update episode uh, as we get closer to the 2024 election. See and just see if anything changes. I don't know. I I think it's I I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether because because Jonathan is still the pastor at uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church, and from what I can tell, he's been largely unaffected by this. Because he's he's you know always been the spiritual one. He's been not the schmoozer, not the political guy, and he's much more kept it on the straight and narrow. Anyway, that's it for today's episode. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, what do we have coming next week, Sadie? Uh, next week, I'm gonna do a little bit of a historical take for all of you on the. Um, hold on a minute. Are we doing a Scopes Monkey Trial? Yes, I'm looking up like the years and everything. Yeah. So, so we're, we're going to talk about the Scopes Monkey Trial, which is a, a trial that happened in 1925 regarding whether evolution could be taught in American public schools. It was a very serious turning point for the creationism movement and for all of the opinions that people have now about what should and shouldn't be taught in public schools. It also had influence on Christian private schooling, um, it was hugely important and not enough people know about it. So we've got that coming up next week. And then the week after that, I'm going to wait one more week before I tell you what I got. But I got something that I have been attempting to get my hands on for a very long time. And I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> no, if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, then you can subscribe to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast, where there will be an extended version of today's episode with more juice. I don't know, maybe some more juice, a little more juice, more pulp, maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. You can go and join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Make sure that you send us your pride stories for pride month. Uh, we've gotten a few of them so far. Uh, if you are an LGBTQ person, and you would like to have us read uh, your story, uh, a personal story on the show, then we would absolutely love to do that. And we will make sure that we do that during the month of June. So make sure that you email those to leavingedenpod at gmail.com. If you send us a story, include whatever name you would like us to use to refer to you, especially if it's different from the one that's on your email signature, and include that your uh, whichever pronouns you use so that we may refer to you with the respect and dignity that you are entitled to as a human being. And I think that's that. Sadie, would you like to plug your social media? Sure thing. You can follow me on Twitter at Hell yeah, Sadie, on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, and on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow the podcast on leaving at Leaving Eden Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Leaving Eden Pod on Twitter, and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye.